The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So, uh, I came back and I talked, had a long talk with my dad. And I was like, man, I got to nail down. I got to trim some fat and nail down. And I was like, first step is I got to get a place. Right? I was probably, yeah, I was like 21 years old. Yeah. And my buddy, Casey, one of those MSMS kids that I was friends with in high school who went over to MSMS, was in town. And he had come back from LSU where he did his undergraduate work. And he, he had applied and gotten in at Mississippi State for his PhD uh-huh. or master's degree or something like that so he was back in the area and um, I was sitting up with the princess one day and I was talking to my friend Charlesy and I was like hey Charlesy uh, you live downtown do you know of any like apartments or cool places to rent she's like actually my landlord is trying to rent the place next to me and I was like yo really what's up with that you know who's your landlord and she was like Fran Brown and I was like, dude, that was my fourth grade teacher at the demonstration school. Mm-hmm. I know her. So the next morning, I call Fran. I'm like, hey, uh, Charles C. Leonard wanted me to call you. Uh, maybe you remember me. My name's Dustin Gibson. She's like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. Da-da-da, I know your parents. I was like, cool. Uh, you have a house for rent on second? And she was like, yeah, actually, I do. So like, do you mind if my, my buddy and I come look at it? Because I think, like we'd really be interested in renting it. You know, I'm in school at the W now and he's at Mississippi state and yeah. Adjuncting classes or a teacher's assistant or something like that, you know? So he's got a job and yeah, we got money. Yeah. It, you know, my parents, you know, I'm good for it, you know? And, uh, I never forget. It's so crazy that I can say this now, but like we, we went over there and walked through the place. Right. And it was huge mm-hmm. for us. You know, it's like two living rooms, Three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Oh, I know the house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know where this a, is going. <laughs> a cool backyard, you know. And Casey was like, dude, I would I would not mind commuting back and forth from Starkville to live here. This place is badass. And I was like, Fran, how, how much a month to rent it? She was like, uh, 900 And I was like, for me at the time, I know it's crazy to think about now, but like $900 was like, dude... We split that, and we're still like four fifty. Four fifty. And probably we were, we were hoping for like a six fifty place, you know. Yeah. And that kind of stung. And I sat on it for about a week, and I called her back, and I was like, "Yo, look, if you will let me sublease, meaning I can have tenants, I'll guarantee you rents early every month." And she was like, and "She said, let me think it. Let me talk to Richard." And I, her husband, and I, I'll, I'll call you back. 
And uh, later that night, my dad called me. He's like, I got off the phone with Fran Brown. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm trying to rent a spot from her. And, and she, he was like, yeah, she called me and just kind of wondering, you know, how you were doing and, like, you know, what's going on with you and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, if you'll vouch for me, Dad, I think I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I, I put, put in a good word for you. Don't worry about it, you know. You're a hardworking guy. You'll figure it out. Okay. She called me back. She was like, yeah, the place is yours. Right? Oh. I need I need $1,000 on the 28th of every month. And I was like, yes, ma'am. She's like, if I don't have $1,000 by the 1st, you're out. I was like, yes, ma'am. Enter Alex. Almost immediately. <laughs> Almost like immediately. My good buddy who was working at the Princess, Alex, and we were already playing guitar together in the basement at that screen printer shop. And we had a little band that we were trying to start up. And um, I was like, dude, this is the spot. Like, this is this is it. You can move out. Home base. Y- y- we can all move downtown. And now we're all here. And we got a big-ass room. We can, like, do rehearsals at our house. Like, it'll oh, be rad. Dude, yeah. Dudes in their early 20s getting yeah. to pursue what they want to do art-wise. Right, right. What a time to be alive. Right. And so I've got this anthropology major, uh, doctorate, you know, yeah. in his doctoral program. Serious? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, who's going to school for theater. Again, I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a sophomore. Been to school for four years. Yeah. I'm still a sophomore, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. And Alex... He's doing the, uh, you know, doing the Tommy Boy. And, and I've he, been to school for eight years. <laughs> yeah, they call that a doctor. <laughs> and and Alex is, you know, bar backing and doing audio and shit at the Princess. And I was like, all right, this is rad. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so we move into the house. And immediately, man, like, I think the first two weeks I built a half pipe in the backyard. Like, there was all these bushes and trees. And the backyard was completely unkept. I, like, mowed all of it down. I took a bunch of lumber from an old set from the school Mm -hmm. and brought it over there, and we built, like, a mini ramp in the backyard, you know. And pretty soon, man, it was just the spot. Y'all had a scene. We had a scene. Just immediately. You know, we were the the post-bar and pre-bar hangout. Nice. And my only thing was cash only. And I put a little box, and I screwed it to the wall next to the refrigerator, put a padlock on it. Only money can go in. Yeah. Ain't no hands getting in there. Right. But $1,000 better be in this box. Mm-hmm. I don't care when you put it in there. But before the first. But before the first. And, man, those dudes, I owe my life to those guys. Because every, every freaking month I would open it up and I'd count it out. And it'd be like, you know, $1,200, $1,500. I'm like, sick. It was my money, too. You know, yeah. I was putting in there, too. Right, right, But right. $1,500. And so, boom, I go put it in an envelope, go give Fran a thousand bucks, knock on her door. She'd answer the door. I said, thank you so much. She goes, thank you, Dustin. You're an amazing tenant. You know, she'd have me go fix stuff at her other properties and things like that. Um, I swear I'm getting somewhere with this. If you've been to my house and you listen to this podcast, then you kind of know where this is going. Oh, I know but, where it's going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... Uh, put the rest of the money on the fridge and that would go to like internet 
you know, and light and water and, mm-hmm. you know, the trash pickup and all the other bills yeah. we get paid for. And everybody's just putting $5 at a time to 20 bucks at a time. And you then know, the wheels started spinning a little bit. Yeah. And I went, oh, man, I got three of us living here. What if I had more people living here? <laughs> what if I kept the same structure? <coughs> I'm still going to put my third in, mm-hmm. regardless. I'm always going to do a third. But what if I had six people living here? And so we revamped a bedroom and made it two rooms. And we revamped a living room and made it a livable space and an art studio. <laughs> Uh, and a photo studio for a little while. People were doing negatives and stuff like that, and that was pretty cool. Wild. And I just said, hey, man, if you're good for the money, you can pretty much live here. But I call the shots. If you're out, you're out. Mm-hmm. If you get caught doing whippets from my chain cleaner, my motorcycle chain cleaner, if you get caught doing whippets from my chain cleaner in the bathroom in a party, you're out. Yeah, that's... I'm not having anybody freaking die. That's on you. <laughs> <laughs> like, get your shit, man. Go. Yeah. That happened. We ain't having uh, nobody goldfish around here. <laughs> no, dog. Like, bah. That Dusty, ain't it. you going to do me like that? Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, man. Because I'm about to go to jail here soon. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, Alex's brother went to prison. That was whack. Uh, Chris Tilly, man. He's a great guy. He's a business owner. Got three kids, I think. Um, works at Steel Mill. Owns a business. Like, great guy now but I remember him we like packed up all stuff we were like we're gonna get so screwed through this you know and he called us he was like I don't know what you guys have I don't know if you smoke I don't know what you have but if you've got it flush it cause I'm going down and we were like ah oh, crap you know like mm-hmm. all that happened um, but we started playing we started playing I started renting out my back room to bands that wanted rehearsal spaces and um, those guys would pay me a little bit and or pretty much just stock my beer fridge you know, and stuff like that. And so I started, I was like, okay. And I started going to different universities and going to different parties. I went to a bunch of parties at Ole Miss. I went to a bunch of parties down in Hattiesburg. I went to party, parties at State. And I was like... DIY was about to be on your mind. Yeah. And it, and it already was. I think I was just scared of it. And so one day, Alex woke up. And he never lets me forget this on a Sunday because he was like, man, I heard like this crazy racket. And I was tearing apart the skate ramps. I was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, this is our, like, we now had a mini ramp and this weird little hubble thing. Like, I was like, dude, what are you doing? It's going to be a bar. And I was like, I'm going to make a venue in our backyard. He was like, you're insane. I was like, dude, our neighbors are Charles C., sorority girls of which whom I'm dating one of that live across the street behind my fence is an empty parking lot that belongs to community counseling who's gonna know those guys all leave at five and it's a massive big brick building downtown mm-hmm. who's gonna call the police bank first yeah they're closed they're not there they're not there charlesy's not gonna call she's probably gonna be here right or at work yeah you know she works the bar shifts dude and she would tell people at the bar she's like, gotta wrap it up go to dusty's Go to Dustin's. Go to Alex's. If you guys are going to keep hanging out, go to Alex's. And so, you know, that was the vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And so I built a little bar. That was cool. 
and then I built uh, a stage and then I built a theater around the stage and uh, then I invested in some really light shitty audio equipment and uh, set up a bunch of speakers and I got some lighting back there I had another breaker put in just so I could run all the backyard stuff off of a separate service uh, that I told them that uh, the main service didn't work and the city came in and put it in for free it's really funny Noise. <laughs> Sorry, Columbus Light and Water. <laughs> Got him on that one. <laughs> um, cool, dude. Like, yeah, I just remember the guy from the Light and Water Department walking back there and be like, what is going on? <laughs> so, I mean, like, would this be, like, the, uh, the beginning of, like, what we know of the Columbus scene as of today? Uh, yeah, that was all happening in the background. You know, uh, like I said, uh, the princess changed hands uh, before I got the house. Bart got it. You know, I think I was that was my first year in college. That was back when I had just a, became a theater major, um, and he was really he got his liquor license during that time. He started doing shows, um, <coughs> and it was good, but it was lame. Like I mean, it was we were doing really cool stuff. I thought. But I never really made the... It was never really going anywhere. It was never really reaching the heights I wanted it to reach. I wanted it to book real bands. And if they were too big to play in my backyard, we moved over to the Princess. And I was kind of there, but I wasn't really where I would see my buddies in Starkville be. Or where I would see my buddies in Oxford be. Because they had like big fraternities, and the turnouts to their shows would be 1,200 people. It was built in, though. Yeah. And I had... 300 people yeah you know uh which if you ain't bad ain't bad right not bad at all and i would do like stiff covers too man i would do like 15 dollars covers that's very stiff yeah so i mean if you want to come hang out drinks are free i can i'm not getting into that byob i'll supply the ice that's it Mm -hmm. and some cups and some chips or something dude just do that man and like like I remember the first time that, uh, like, I stepped foot on that property and I saw everything. And you were kind of giving me the tour. We were first getting to know each other. And I was still in Kennedy at that time. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had a nice porch. And, like, truly, dude, that, I mean, that led into, like, the inaugural porch fest. Mm. And, I mean, like, I did three years of, uh, uh, we did three big porch fests where there were, there were bands from all over the country coming to play. Right, right. And then, like, every now and then you would have a one-off. But, like, it's Kennedy. Nobody knows where the hell it is. Like, to be going there, you have to know. Yeah. But, like you said. Well, and you got to drive, so you need to, like, bring a tent. Like, yeah. you know, you got to, like, or be you prepared need to, to sleep in your pickup. Or, like, or you'll need a DD. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. would also, like, there were so many vacant rooms in this big house that we were in at the time. I mean, right. like, you could pile in. You could sleep in the house. But, uh, man, I, like, big inspiration on that part. Like, I saw something... Like, the first time I saw that property you were at at that time, I was like, I could totally do that. Mm. And, like, I would call it a success because, like, I was booking people now who tour in Europe. Right, right. But at that time, a lot of people didn't know about it. Right. Well, uh, this is a good, great uh, opportunity to shout out to Hartle Road. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, well, let me back up real quick. So this would have been... I graduated college. I ended up actually graduating. I did actually do that. Yay me. 
uh, in 2012, uh, I walked and that following, so the following semester I finished my like last math credit or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I like did my graduation ceremony and then actually got my degree like a semester later. So in 2013, that's really when I had my degree and I was free agent, you know, wasn't in school anymore. No job. What's up Munson? Oh, no, I just started, this is before the Munson thing. This is like 2013. I was like, no job. And I did what we're talking about full time. Oh, you were DIY. DIY only. And I was like, man, as long as that little box by the fridge keeps this place open, I have a place to live. Mm -hmm. So I would book a theater gig and go off for several months and do a theater thing. Oh, you were doing risks, dude. Yeah. And then come home and DIY, DIY, DIY until I got my next theater gig. And then go off somewhere. I went to Tallahassee. I went to Miami. I went to Atlanta. I uh, did film work in Atlanta. I was on The Walking Dead three times. I would, did six episodes of Halt and Catch Fire. Um, I started Very working cool. at a theater in Roanoke, Virginia called Mill Mountain Playhouse. And we started doing actual musicals, like big musicals there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the technical director at um, a theater in North Carolina. Uh, for four months out of the year, every year, uh, real really close to Asheville uh, in Boone, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I got connected with the folks over at App State and the private school there, Lisa McCray, and um, would add come. Actually, would they'd fly me out to do adjunct classes, so I'd fly up there and teach scenic painting or set construction or like um, ba- basics of architecture or something like that. Um, so, you know, I've been, been in college for eight years, dude. Like, at the end of all of it, you know, it was a long freaking time, dude. You know, so seven years, seven and a half years. And but, what I would say, dude, is like, uh, you did it right. I did it. I don't know if it was right or not. Well, but. no, like, I think, like, it, it was the way that my time at Shelton State or my time at University of Mobile was, like, I, was, I made sure to make connections with the professors and I made sure to make connections to where I had outs, to where, like, if I wanted to be somewhere, I could be. Right. And it seems like you always had that going. Although your advisors or, you know, the professors that you trusted or the, the theater production people yeah, would be yeah. like, you know, you know you're, you shouldn't take a semester, but... We see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you but can you, always come back. And you had that. Yeah. And so, but you were, you were making moves... But at the same time, you didn't know what was going to happen. No, and I really didn't. I mean, I had some dreams. I had some pipe dreams, and a lot of those have not turned out the way that I wanted. I started a business, uh, Studio 6. Um, started a little LLC. Uh, that went nowhere quickly, uh, which I thought well, would be super depressed at the time. But <clears throat> My first LLC went to shit, too. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> that, that went nuts. Um let me see. So this is like 2000 to catch us up to like 2013, 2014, right? Um, and I'm doing a show in uh, the Barter Theater, I think it was. Uh, no, it was probably Mill Mountain. It was in Virginia. And David, the guy that uh, taught me in school, the guy who uh, gave me that first job in the scene department, yeah, David Carter, called me. He's like, hey, man, I've got a really whack idea, but I want to run it by you. If there's anybody who's into this it's you and I was like okay he's like I've got a one time line item budget in my department for a staff 
technical director. And I was like, wait, what? Huh. You know what, dude, I don't have a master's degree. I don't have a doctorate. Like, I can't teach there. He's like, yeah, but, Didn't you, can, matter. but you can work here. Oh. As staff. And I was like, oh. Now you have to work for the campus, which means if they want to put you in the music department, they can put you in the music department. If they want to put you at graduation, they can put you at graduation. But I've got six auditoriums on campus. Mm-hmm. If you take this, they're all yours. And I was like, okay. What's going through your head, dude? I was struggling, right? I didn't, yeah, it don't sound like... And I was like, uh... And then Ginger Pool offered me a job at Mill Mountain. And I'll never forget this. It was $3,000 more than what David was offering me. Yeah. But, and I probably made the ballsiest decision of my career then. But you went with David. But I went, I I can't give up the star stage. I can't give up 924. The, The real work I was doing was at the house. And I knew when I left, all of it left. Because I was the one that had the relationship with the landowner. I, like, the minute I took that box off the wall... That was it. That was it. Oh, man. And this is the segue, enter Harlow Road. They got that house, I think around the same period of time, Pompeii. And their little house was four blocks down the street from mine. Mm-hmm. And they're a, they're a much more prolific band than I ever was, I and mean, these guys are great, dude. They kill it. Like Rock and Max roll, Two, baby. we just we talked about that earlier. We just saw them last night at the Columbus Arts Council. Man, great album, great work. I'm glad you got to see that ahead of their here, time. Dude. Like people don't understand how good that band is. People just don't understand. And and a lot of people around here, I know everybody's gonna have their different opinion of them as people, of them as artists. I, I get it, right? But they're great musicians yeah they are they're fantastic uh, dude uh first time i saw them and I, I still feel this way today i mean yeah like to what you're saying it's like yeah sometimes a little hard to work with this episode of porch talk is brought to you by our brand new sponsor caldera lab if you go to calderalab.com slash porch uh, at checkout you can use promo code porch and save 20 percent off your total purchase order a little bit about Caldera Lab. It was clinically tested to work on dry, normal, and oily skin. Nine out of ten men who tried this product continued to do so, and they could tell a difference uh, with their skin. Uh, there's an improvement in the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, elasticity, dark spots, skin tone, and more. It really helped me out with the crow's feet and the wrinkles on my forehead. I have been using the good for about a week now and they also uh, sent me the clean slate icon and the base layer and uh, i've never really been into skincare products i was excited to give caldera lab a shot and i'm glad i did and so as you get a little bit older like myself um, maybe you would like to give these skincare products a try for your face and Maybe you'll tell a difference just like I am. Uh, I'm 32, but I'm currently looking about 23. So uh, look out for me. Once again, if you go to calderalab.com slash porch, 
Use promo code PORCH and you'll save 20% off of your purchase order. Back to the show. I mean, I mean but, that, but that's fine. Because it was never hard for me to work with him. Yeah. Other people have run into that, though. Yes. And, and so, so I can see that. S- some have it. And so, Shout out, Max. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> dude. I like, see you out there, Dean. <laughs> yeah, dude. Love those boys. Yeah. And, uh, man, like, when we get to hanging out, we get to talking, and, like, we're at some shows, it's like the people that know music and yeah. know what's going on yeah. Yeah, yeah. know those boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And they and I'm, did. I'm talking, like, Matt Patton. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Taylor Holland's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean. They put in the work, dude. And the other thing is they didn't do what I did. They didn't go straight into school, you know. Uh, and then I think the really the reason why they got that house was because I think two of them started going to the W. I think that's really what happened is they knew that they were going to keep trying to do their music stuff. But they were also going to start taking classes. And so yeah. they needed a lot like me 10 years earlier they needed a home base you know and so i had a home base they had a home base and i was like man i can't leave that it's too cool mm-hmm. it's too i don't know what's gonna happen but i'm too i feel like my finger's on the pulse mm-hmm. and in virginia my finger was not on the pulse big theater cool job but it wasn't on the, i didn't have my finger on the pulse of what was going on and here I did that that pulse do you believe it was because it was your hometown and that because like you were I think it's just sheer stubbornness and the amount of work that I had put in okay like I just you know I was in a bar every night I mean I would sit up at the elbow room and drink water yeah broke like five dollars to my name yeah and just you know and then somebody come in and be like hey Dusty you want a beer I'm like sure I'll take a beer and I, 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 I'd spend six hours in there and drink three beers yeah. and like a bunch of Coca-Colas or waters or some stuff like that. Um, anyway, so I made, I made the, the tough call and went with David and came home and became the uh, campus-wide technical director mm-hmm. at MEW. Um, being paid through, the, uh, paid through the theater department in conjunction with the music department, but the, the spaces were my responsibility. And I reported to the to the dean of arts and colleges, or, sorry, uh, arts and sciences, Dean Richardson, at the time. And um, my dad was still teaching there, you know, and and so I just kind of became my, you know, academia yeah. all over again. It was like it was like my childhood years being coming, lived out, now. lived out. You know, I was eating eating in the cafeteria with my dad. Yeah, thirty minute lunch breaks, that kind of thing. You know, before he had to go to class. Yeah. Because cafeteria was free for employees. Yeah. And I wasn't making money, man. I was not making money, but I was but I had now unfettered access to any of the gear that I needed. Right? Mm-hmm. And so Bart wanted to do a show. Okay. I'd get the speakers, I'd get the lights, I'd get all the stuff and drag them down to the princess. Uh, I developed a great relationship with Rob and Barbara Swindle down here at the Elbow Room, R.I.P. R.I.P., Rob. Yeah, man, end of an era on that one. Damn, but dude. They just carte blanched, me and Max and Toby. And so we could just go in there and want to put on a show, put on a show. Um, I would play open mic night every single week I was in town. Whether or not anyone else played or not, I made sure that I played. Um, Alex was running a couple of them at the time. Mm-hmm. on different nights and I would just every time I was in town even if I was the only one up there 
even if I had no more didn't, songs, didn't matter. I would play, and I would tell you know, I would talk to people and be like, "Hey, man, you know any cool bands? You know any this? You know any that? You know any this? You know any that?" And uh, you know, benefit thing would show up. I'd play it. You know, anything, anything to put me in the room with people that were doing stuff with Columbus and and with the arts and with the with the scene. You know, dude, that mentality. I mean, that's like while we're sitting right here right now. It's like things that I picked up from people like you over the years that really led in the porch talk being what it is today. So right. thank you, man. Hey, man, no worries. Um, thank you for your time, by the way, Alan. I know we're going to go long on this one, but I don't give a damn. Okay, good. Hang out with me. Um, so, uh, round about that time. So fast forward, 2015, 2016, I believe it was. Um, Ryan Munson came to me and was like, hey, dude. Uh, and he had been to shows at the house. The other thing is, uh, connection to Munson and Brothers here uh, is Catherine. Uh, Dr. Feeney. Yeah, Dr. Feeney. Um, Larry Feeney and my dad worked together for years and years and years. So, this, like I said, back at the dim school, kids that were kids of faculty all knew each other really well. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, yeah, that puts us at like around about 2015, 2016, right? And all this stuff is going down. And I'm at the W. Uh, Hartle Road Boys, they're at the W. Um, I think they're taking classes. And uh, Alex is now he's moved on to work. He's the technical director at the uh, WCBI on uh, morning shift or something like that, late shift. I don't quite remember. Um, but he's working there, so he's got he's growing his gear knowledge as well, and I'm you know still doing theater things throughout you know the years, and I wind up down in Tallahassee, and um, my good buddy lighting designer's name's Todd uh, T Garden. Again, he offers me a job down at Tallahassee Children's Theater. I turn it down again. I come home. And I would say this is where it's like the beginning of the dark times. Um, now, see, I've passed up on several jobs, right? And I'm still at the W. And things are going a little whack. Um, people are moving on. I start getting a better glimpse of, like, where the money is being spent and, like, how we have access to stuff and how the books are working. And, again, I'm not talking poorly about the W. Great school. I enjoyed my time there. All things are good. But I'm starting to get, I think, frustrated because I'm not seeing this blow up. And I get this call from Munson. Mm -hmm. And he comes over to the house and he's like, man, I need, I need a you. And I was like, you need a me. I was, what the hell does that mean? He's like, I need somebody. I need a utility. You mentioned that earlier. I need a guy that I can kind of depend on. I can't pay you much. But I will pay you every time you work for me. And I was like, well, what do you got going on? And I knew about, you know, the beard oils and the soaps. He and I, uh, during some of those times, uh, me and Eric and Brad and Munson and Catherine, we'd all go over to Munson's house and, like, brew beer, you know, for the holidays and give people sixers of craft beer that we'd made and stuff like that. Nothing serious, you know, in his garage kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know? And... um I knew about what he had going on, but that's when he started telling me about the property management stuff he was doing and the, the houses that he owned. 
and the and the duplex that he owned, and and this building that he owned, and that building that he owned, and I was like, hmm, okay. And so I kind of joined forces with Ryan at that time, and I would come in and make beard oils and beard products and stuff like that, and soaps and all that whatnot, and. I would also go out to all of his properties and kind of be his superintendent. And so I got a little bit of a boost from that. You know, a little bit. I got a huge boost from that. I mean, he changed my financial situation a little bit at that time. And so that allowed me to bring the temperature down in my world. All this DIY stuff was really kicking my ass financially. Mm -hmm. Like... I was always able to pay my bills from that little black box on the wall, but dude, I never had money at all. And it was getting old. You know, real old. Yeah. And I was getting older. <laughs> also, you know, I was knocking on 30's door, you know, and I was not feeling it. Didn't have a whole lot to show? Didn't have anything to show for it. That I felt like I'd been through, like, seven different bands couldn't keep one together to save my life people would move off we'd have to kick people out of the band you know just stuff right? I know the feeling dude and so you know and to me as a person I am I'm never quite good enough you know and I tell myself that you just gotta you gotta jump higher you know you gotta do a bigger stair set it's back to that basement days at the you know all these older guys are killing it to keep up you gotta keep up kid you gotta keep up kid nose down grind 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 but I was never like rounding into anything right and the guys that were living with me that dropped off quite a bit and so we were back down to you know me my girlfriend at the time Mary Wildsmith Alex and uh, John Wright was floating at the time and finally he did move in which was another godsend um, but it was it was not the house of nine people anymore. I wasn't pulling three thousand dollars out of that box. Mm-hmm. You know, we were back to just kind of scraping by. You know, and bands would hit me up. You know, and I'd have people play. But and I, again, I was always straight up with them. I mean, if you played, the door is yours. You're why we're doing this. I'm not here to make money. The door is yours. I can't pay you. So the door is yours. If I played that night, I would take a hundred bucks. If me and Alex played, it was two hundred bucks. I got a hundred. He got a hundred. Mm-hmm. The rest of it went to the other band. Now they were leaving my house with six hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks. But I was like, man, I'm not doing this right. It's cool as all get out, but my finances are screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was telling my, my now wife, but my girlfriend at the time, Mary, about it. And she was like, well, you know, pivot. I was like, well, we're, we're in giving shit up territory now. You know, we got to start making rough calls. And um, I didn't know this at the time, but she was saving up a trip. And ended up giving it to me for Christmas. And uh, we were able to go. So she was working at the radio station. She'd saved up enough money from to pay for us to go to uh, South Africa to visit my family that I had never been able to go visit in Cape Town. And uh, so we did that trip. I turned 30 in Cape Town. And, uh, man, I don't know. A shift happened in me. Yeah. And 
uh, I'd had a couple conversations with Ryan and a couple conversations with Alex and a couple conversations with my dad. And I could just see this frustration really building up in me. This, this just, I, I was starting to hate the things that I loved. And I was starting, I think, to blame them and blame Columbus and blame other I'm just getting kind of bitter, to be honest with you. Because it was never really taken off. You know, it wasn't ever real. I mean, I'd do something. It was never like, enough. It was, well, and it, yeah, but it, it, I would always end up with be the one that was up short or be the one that was stressed out we were going to get kicked out of the house. And again, like I said, those guys never shorted me. It was never that. But I just started being like, man, there's no, there's, is this it? Mm-hmm. Just a $5 grind for the next 50 years? Like, this ain't it, you know? Uh, So I sold my van, um, sold both my motorcycles, um, and again, these are all things that I cobbled together, really cobbled together. Uh, my old Bronco went into storage and eventually just kind of got uh, absorbed. I lost it. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of a low time, man, and I was like, I really, I really got to do something, something different, you know. And like I said, this is 2015, 2016. And I went to Ryan, and I told him a lot about what was going on. He was like, okay, well, work with me then. I want to build I want to build Munson and Brothers into something real. And I was like, okay, okay. He's like, yeah, but we're talking about, like, selling shit in so- shopping malls and stuff. Not, you know, just at Market Street. Like, oh. That's lame. <laughs> That's way lame. Mm-hmm. And uh, it ended up being several years before that happened. But uh, he bought this place uh, down here by the by the soccer fields, and we moved in here and we rented it out. We rented out an office space to a church and a couple other things. And man, I just started spending a, a bunch of time up here and then grinding at the W. And I think I shifted then into work mode. And no. No more was it about just grind, build, build, build. It was work, work, work. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Work, 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 work. And uh, I made a commitment commitment to myself to go a year with over $1,000 in my sa- in my checking account. Mm-hmm. That happened. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go over $2,000 in my checking account. Never drop below $2,000 in my checking account. And I mean, scrimping by, but I was able to do it. 
by just working a lot less bar time, a lot less this, a lot less that, you know. Um, and again, we're talking about 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, and and I just started seeing it starting to slip, you know, all the cool shit really starting to slip. Um, I don't remember when that was that you met me, but uh, what you saw, I think, was probably the skeleton of what yes. what, what really started it. And it would have been around uh, 2018. 2018, okay, yeah. So you were super, super saw the skeleton. Um, our good buddies down at the Princess, that kind of turned into the club scene and no bands. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, shit, you know, that's not my scene. You know, uh, what What are we going to do, you know? And that's a Saul Pompeii start to really take off. You know, and I think a lot of that crowd kind of moved over to them. I was never better with the Harbor Road guys. Like, it wasn't their fault, but I was I was slipping. So I started putting the feelers out and started doing a crap load more theater work. And I was like, this is the only thing that consistently makes makes me money. You know, that that I can really call. You know, and so I kind of went back to that started doing less and less at the W and started doing more and more in the freelance game. And that's how I was really able to start to shift that financial situation that I was in and get into a space where I was a little bit more in control of what was going on. But I could see all of these things that I had poured so much time into start to take a nosedive. What did that mean at the time? Do what? What did that mean? Oh, it's terrible. It was terrible. It was a super low point. Super low point for me. Um, because, you know, I, all the fears that you have, you know, you're just going to go, man. I gave my, I gave so much of myself to this. Right. And now it's taking a nosedive. Mm-hmm. And I'm not at a place anymore to where I'm trying to go save it. No. Because I'm tired of living that Yeah. Paycheck. I'm tired of being the one that goes and drives two hours to pick up the drums. Yeah. For a band I'm not even in. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. And lame. Uh, but again, talking to Ryan and talking to some uh, other key friends, I, I kind of moved more towards the Munson and Brothers thing and more towards the theater thing and just really said, I also really need to get my head out of my ass and be serious about this stuff. Because uh-huh. I think I was really feeling like the jack of all trades, master of none thing. I didn't really have it all together. And so I really focused on the music department and I could see the theater department start slipping. So I'd shift back over there. And again, this went on, on and on and on. Uh, I picked up a TD job at the Trotter Convention Center. So that when I was in town, I would do that. Had my job in North Carolina that I always went away to go do during the summers. And uh, yeah, I think that's where I really, really was at my, my lowest. Because I just stopped caring. I stopped skating. You know, I was gaining weight. And, you know, I mean, it's not not proud of it, but drinking a lot more Yeah. than, than I was actually networking. It wasn't out at the bar to network. Yeah, just drinking. Just drinking. Yeah. yeah. And hanging out. And that leads into this, that leads into the other thing. Uh, I don't think my relationship with Mary ever really suffered, but she 
remarks on that time as being shitty for me. Low point. Yeah, low point. And uh, yeah, that that was pretty terrible. And then in 2018, out of the blue, a former housemate called me and said, "Hey, man, I'm at a theater in Utah." My uh, partner got a job here, and I've come out to visit. Dude, this place is rad. Ooh. And I was like, okay, I don't know why you're telling me that. He was like, wow, really? <laughs> don't know why I'm telling you that. And he's like, they they said I could they said I could work here. Like, I'm just here to visit. But they said if I could carve out some avail- availability. So he left his job building sets at Bush Gardens in in Virginia, right outside of DC. Yeah. And he moved to Utah. And this would have been twenty eighteen. And yeah, he did a tour show that they had come in. Million dollar quartet. The uh show about um Sam Phillips and the folks down at Sun Studios. You have Johnny Cash. You know, you've got Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. Carl Perkins, you know, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. These guys all come together for one night, and they are over a million dollars, you know, in the room of value. And they play their last recorded session at Sun Studios on a Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And that's the million dollar quartet. From that, from that recording, boom, their careers went nuts. That's when it changed for Elvis. I mean, he was already a superstar, but he went, you know... Megastar. Megastar. He became the king after that. Mm -hmm. You know, Johnny Cash became country music, you know, at the time. Uh, Nobody could touch Cash, you know. Uh, Carl Perkins became, you know, still, I think, one of the most Grammy-winning songwriters of all time. Jerry Lee Lewis pretty much invented rock and roll. (laughs) So I mean, like how these four guys got together like that anomaly. Yeah, anomaly. And I went and I did that show, and I watched the show, and I went, "Shit, They're doing some real stuff out here." But the moral of that story was Sam Phillips, because he was the one who put them all together. At the end of the day, he's the one who got shafted. Sun Studios didn't really go much places. He had to sell a lot of rights to a lot of songs to, a, you know, different companies. And and Sun Studios is a skeleton that we know today to where every now and then people will meet up and go record there. Yeah, Just and it's cool. Out of nostalgia. Out of nostalgia. And there's a museum there. Yeah. And it's lit. I mean, I, I encourage yeah, any, anybody it's, to go yeah, to Memphis great. and see it. But it didn't survive as a business. And that's where I saw myself. Not in Elvis's shoes. Not in Johnny Cash's shoes, but in Sam's. He yeah. DIY'd it. Yeah. And they all left. And he was just left with the bones. And he was just kind of like, shit. Because that night, they all come to him at separate times. I've got a record label with blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I got, a, I got an offer with blah, 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 or whatever. I'm going to RC. I'm going to, you know, these different record labels. And so it's kind of also the fall. But it was the biggest night in, in what we know is popular music today. Yeah, I mean, I mean the Beatles we, wouldn't we, have existed because of that night. You know, we uh, still, Clapton I mean, wouldn't have existed because pe- of that night. People still talk about Sun Studios because of that night. 
And it's really because of that night and that time period where, boom, a bunch of money was made. But, you know, mm-hmm. it just wasn't what it was. Anyway, so I'm in Utah. I see this show. I work on this show a little bit. And I go, shit, man. My buddy Drew gets offered a position as the scenic lead, uh, the head deck carpenter for the main stage. Also, this was their second stage. This is like their little performance area. Yeah. Like their little 500-seat theater. They have this huge 2,500-seat outdoor mega theater. And he gets moved over to there. The next year, he calls me. He's like, you want to come work for me? And I was (laughs) like, no, but I want the little theater. Hmm. What do you guys do in that year in the little theater? So I go out and I become the TD for the little theater. The master carpenter, head deck, technical director, head guy. Hear all those, hear all that, hear all that. And, I mean, go back to the beginning of this episode. We had this punk. Yeah. Skateboarding. Yeah. Learning fabrication. Street kid. After his dad wanted him to get a job because he wanted 20 bucks to go take his girl out. Yeah. And now... Also, that didn't work out, by the way. I mean, I I took her out, but, like, that didn't go anywhere. (laughs) But look look where it went. No, for sure. I'm just saying that night. It's a funny little part of that is, on top of it, we never really fully dated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But now, Master Carpenter. You know, Mm -hmm. like, all uh, these titles... This episode of Porch Talk is also sponsored by Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com and at checkout use promo code PORCHTALK, all one word, PORCHTALK, all one word. Receive 20% off your total purchase order and get free shipping. Uh, Manscaped sent me the performance package 4.0 that comes with their beard trimmer, uh, the weed whacker, which is for... Those unsightly ear and nose hairs, and then the lawnmower, which is for you downstairs. It also comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Uh, that is for um, it's for your genitalia, there, there, boys. Uh, it'll keep you from uh, if you're ever been in the south in the summer. Uh, you know a little bit about how it feels down there and. Those two wonderful products will uh, help you feeling cool and keep you smelling good so you don't smell like a foot. So go to manscaped.com, and if they are the leading company when it comes to men's grooming, they also, the performance package comes with the most comfortable pair of underwear I've ever owned. So if you have never given Manscaped a try, I highly recommend them. You can go to manscaped.com, use Porch Talk as your promo code at checkout. Receive 20% off your total purchase order. And, uh, man, just look at my beard. If that says anything about them, should say it all. I got the best beard around. No doubt about it. Now, back to the show. Technical director, all this stuff. So I go out there and I take Drew's old job, Andrew Parton. He's from West Point, Mississippi. Uh, I think he grew up in Tupelo. Uh, he's He's a rock star as well and we'll get into more of what he's doing now but um so i go out there and i td this show uh it's um let me think oh my god a gentleman's guide to love and murder okay another tour show they bring it in the director come in she came in from la they brought the show in from new york they've got all these professional actors on stage now we're really doing it now it's the real thing it's not playing around we're doing the real thing i didn't build the set 
I just unloaded it from the truck. It was built by a, um, a scenic company out of, uh, New Jersey. A lot of the scenery for Broadway is built in New Jersey. And, um, well, what's that? Uh, uh, show motion industries built the set. Okay. It's all aluminum fabrication, beautiful wet wraparounds. I mean, they bondoed and like puttied all the seams and screw holes and Seamless. like CNC'd all this beautiful stuff. And we put a theater on stage and it was awesome. Full automation, chain motors, cables, integrated audio, trap doors, all sorts of really cool stuff. There was magic in it. There was, you know, magic, uh, illusionist, you know, like, you know, stuff, um, LED content flown walls stuff flying in all over the place it's all the stuff i used to do but done in the right way you know not cobbling it together this was not diy this was for profit this was real mm. and blink a light turned on blink i mean like flipping a switch and all of that angst and all of that rawness just got channeled like immediately and uh, we killed it (laughs) it was the most selling show that they'd ever done in that theater as far as percentages go now it's only 500 seats remember the big boys out stage at 2500 Mm -hmm. right but we were killing it in that little theater and I got in contact with the overall technical director of the venue. Yeah. And I got in contact with the project and production manager of the overall theater. Right? These guys are from Denver and L.A. And are talking about this and talking about the plans they want for the place. And they're like, Dusty, we like you. And the show closed. And we had a huge party at this baller mansion place. And all these New York types were floating around. And it, I was like, wow. And... You know, it's my day to leave. Mary got to come out and visit me, see Utah. We went to the Grand Canyon, Zion, Bryce Canyon. Yeah. You know, and this is carved. This theater is carved into two massive red rock canyons, uh, both of which are state and national parks. So Snow Canyon National Park and Red Mountain State Park. They'll never have neighbors. This place is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And I am ecstatic, you know. I am fueled you get to show your girl what you've been doing yeah and she was stoked she was stoked um and drew was killing it down there on the main stage and i was like man this is awesome man i've done it and they were like hey man we want to offer you a job and i was like cool and i'm thinking you know deck head of the shop something like that you know and they were like we'd love to keep you around as a carpenter uh, uh, for next year Uh, Unfortunately, our season doesn't start up until the 6th of January. Uh, So we're, you know, we'll see you later, but you're welcome to come back. Uh, And they were like, $14 an hour. uh, And, I mean, that's okay money for me at that time. You can make money in Columbus, Mississippi making $14 an hour, no no doubt. You definitely can. But out there... And I was looking at, you know, rent and stuff at 2000 you know, a month, $2,300 a month. I had a, a, a 1995 Chevy Astro van that I lived in mm-hmm. for the gig. I lived in the loading dock in my van. Mm-hmm. 
that did not have air conditioning. Boy, oh boy. Driving my little 70s motorcycle to the grocery store and stuff. What'd that smell like? And I was like, fuck, man, that stung. And I, and I thought, man, I've just done so much hard work. I've just killed it. And I was like depressed and I was, you know, I looked at Craig. Uh, Craig was the uh, production, uh, sorry, the uh, yeah production manager. And he's a big, big money guy there, you know. And I was like, man, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but no. Yeah. Not even. No. Not even close. No. But this place is rad. Call me if you ever have a real job. And he laughed. And he was like, oh, you better believe it. And I went, hmm funny how I'm getting offered beans but I'm getting a pat on the back you know everybody's praising me but I'm there's no money here yeah and I can't afford you know I'm a dirty ghetto kid from Mississippi I can't afford this I'm this is not my place yeah you had to feel out of yourself yeah and it felt culture shock because I'm live in Utah yeah you know can't buy beer on Sundays everybody's Mormon you know everybody's white I mean, I know I'm white, but, like, I did not grow Miss- up that way, you Miss- know? Like, yeah, Mississippi's predominantly, like, 60-40. It's oh, black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. went to high school with... Predominantly uh, black school. Predominantly black I grew up in a black neighborhood. Like, this is just weird, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's just uncomfortable, and I can't afford it. I can't play with you guys. Like... Yeah, sure, okay, let me just pull Dude, look, 20 Paul's, grand Paul's out. right there, and, yeah. like, this is, like, one thing that... I never really understood, like, as I've traveled, like, going across the states. Yeah. It's, like, number one thing that people call me out on is my accent. Yeah. Like, yeah. you sound like Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. And then they want to go straight in and talk about, like, things of the past. Oh, are you racist? Yeah. I and be like, motherfucker, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> dude, no. Like, dude, I... No, these people are my family. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I'm that, just glad to be welcome to the cookout, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, my family and their family, we're good. Yeah. And it's it's been that way, like, all, all that thing that you were taught wherever you're from is... Not what, not for what the, I know. For the rich folks, a hundred years ago, maybe that was you know yeah, sixty years not ago. Not for me. Not for me. And they're like, what, what was a, it? That what, a mis- what a misconception. The jerk, mm-hmm. Sean Martin, like, yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah, uh, Steve Martin, Steve Martin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, but but growing up here, it just wasn't like that, you know. And man, that's a huge part of my personality as well. Is like I never, never forget, never forget, never forget. Yeah. And so. I was butthurt. So I moved, got in my little Astro van. Came me, back. Me and my wife, no, it was really cool. Me and my wife got in the Astro van. And I was like, okay, I've made, it, I made quite a bit of money doing this. So uh, that's also part of it. For me, it was quite a bit of money. And so that's the money saved up. And so we jumped in the van. I quit the job. I was like, no, I'm not taking that job. And we got in the van. And instead of coming home. Dude, you're married now, though, like talking to Mary about it. Like, you know, was was there a discussion between you or be like, no, I'm, I'm just not going to do that? Or what was that like? Well, we weren't married at the time. We okay. were still just dating, okay. right? So uh, we got in the van, and I told her about it. And she was <laughs> like, that sucks. You know, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, nah, I, can't, I can't focus on it. I can't focus on the negative. And uh, instead of going home, I turned the van west, and I drove straight to the Santa Monica Pier, in downtown Santa Monica, north of L.A., south of Hollywood, mm-hmm. 
We drove that van right onto the beach. Spent the night there. I rented a campsite in Malibu. We drove up the coast. And we spent a spent 14 days in California, just up and down the coast. And on the 10th day, uh, we were on the beach in Venice. And I remember, remember back, Skater Kid. It was my first time ever being in a place like that, you know. You finally made it. And I'm walking down the boardwalk in Venice. Vans, headquarters. Dogtown, headquarters. Mm-hmm. All those punk bands and everything that I had worshipped when I was 14, 15 years old. Oh, you were in it. You I were breathing there. it. And we walked down on the beach. The sun's setting into the Pacific. Blue, purple, pink, crazy sun. Nobody's got sunsets like California. Hell yeah, dude. And uh, Rises in the east and dies in the west, baby. That's right. That's right. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I turned around and uh, dropped a knee. And pulled a ring that I had made uh, out of my pocket and asked her to marry me. Righteous. And she said yes. And we spent that night in a van. <laughs> Mary's ride or die, man. Like, she, she's not playing around. That girl's something serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a cool night. Uh, I scraped some money together. The next night, we rented a hotel, hotel room and in East Hollywood. Uh, nah, yeah, I guess it was East Hollywood. Not Beverly Hills, but over some at the... Uh, I can't remember the name of that hotel, but it was right down from the Viper Room. Okay. Um, it's like, you know, all the big 80s bands played in Sunset Strip and all that stuff like that. And we spent the night at that hotel room and then woke up the next morning and drove all the way back here over the course of three days. Three days later. Three days later, uh, yeah, pulled into 924, pulled into the house. And dudes were all hanging out. People, people were in the backyard. I think it was Wes Davis and Al Calmer. Rest in peace. I walked in. And man, another shift happened. And it wasn't a good one. What? I went, fuck. I didn't feel like I'd just come home. For the first time, I went and checked the box, unlocked the box, money in there. I didn't care. I just felt like, man. Wasn't home no more? It didn't feel like home anymore. Well, that leads me to this, I think. Uh, maybe, maybe we're not quite there yet. So, that next morning I walked down the street, came down to Munson Brothers, and basically told Ryan that. Yeah. And he was like, well, I aim to change that. You and I have been talking about a music festival in Columbus that's real. You and I have been talking about a lot of things you want to do. Remember how I said shopping malls a couple of years ago? And I was like, dude, don't do this to me, dude. I'm at a low right now. And he was like, we have the entire Christmas season from Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve. We worked it, baby. In a kiosk, in a shopping mall. I still next to a guy who sells like you know Chinese mittens. Yeah, you know, like yeah, uh, nothing against that, the Chinese, but like all the stuff that, you bought from Amazon. Next to that pretzel shop. That too. pretzel shop. And I still every time I smell a pretzel, I'm I think like, about that place. 
And, uh, you know, a couple nights later, I went down to Hartle Road house, hung out with those dudes. They had some rad band playing, and I was like, oh, cool. Uh, it was awesome. We had a great night that night. I think I got really way too drunk that night. Um, not you. <laughs> and so uh, we hung out, you know, and uh, Wes and... Wes and I did were able to get Dylan uh, Scott on the drums and, and cobble together, you know, an hour long set list of my old stuff. Catch up with him yet? Yeah, I did uh, the other day, uh, last he, night. Actually, he's searching. Yeah, and I've been uh, I've been trying to lead him to some places. Of, I think he's going to find a good home, but it ain't going to be here. I think he's where I was. Yeah, he's exactly. And yeah. after talking to him last night, anyway, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's how I. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. So, um, anyway, all this negative, all this negative, all this negative. Uh, and um, I talked to Bart, um, William Lawrence, the guy who owns the Princess Theater. And I was like, hey, man, can I do a, can I do a show? And he was like, uh... We don't really we, do shows uh, anymore. We don't really do shows anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah, 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 now I get it. I just want the covers. I just want the door. And he was like, oh, well, yeah. Not on a weekend, but... You can do a show. So I called uh, Jamie. Uh, he was in a band called Night Surf at the time. Jamie Rogers. Shout yeah. out, baby. Yeah, yeah. So I called Jamie. I was like, hey, man, you think you put another band on the list? He's like, yeah, this guy's been hitting me up. Uh, Keatsy, Gun Money. And I was like, oh. Uh. Sorry, Keatsy, but you know what it is. Um, we all know what it is. <laughs> yeah. He knows what it is. Anyway, I was like, ouch. He was like, yeah, but I'll play. If you're playing, I'll play. It's like, all right. It'll it'll be a couple weeks from now. I got this stupid shopping mall gig. <laughs> uh, I quit my job to do that thing in Utah, right? So I didn't work at the W anymore. Mm-hmm. I was full-time, quote-unquote, at Munson Brothers, you know, thinking I was going to go wash dish- dishes at Zachary's or some shit like that, like, Dude, I was angry. Yeah. Sure. I was mad. Sure. That's what it was. I wasn't really sad. I was just pissed off. And um, Jamie said, yeah, I'll put the show together. I'll put the, the, the billing together. You, you talk to the venue. I was like, yeah, dude, I got the venue. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Bart's old, old, old brother from, you know, for me. He's an old head. We go way back. We go to the skate shop days. You know, mm-hmm. it's all good. So we put together the show. I call Wes and Dylan and say, hey, meet me at the bar. We're going to do a site visit. We're going to walk around, figure out where we want the bands to play. And I'm in the Princess, and we go out uh, on the patio, get a beer after we've kind of walked around. I was at that show, by the way. Yeah, you were. Thanks for coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the show well. Yeah. First time I met Jamie. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, I had had Jamie on the podcast at that time. Yeah, you, you, guys, you guys had already linked up. Yeah, we were, we were already rocking and rolling. Right. And I'd heard about you. I don't think I had really, really... We had worked, uh, you know, a few, we had worked some shows together. House. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Before I went out to Utah. That's right. Okay. Um, anyway, so we're, we're, we're going into this show, and I'm, I'm walking back, and I was like, dudes, i got to hit the restroom and talk to Bart for a second. And I go to the restroom, and my phone buzzes. Phone starts ringing while I'm in the head, right? And I look down, and it says Craig Engel. And I was like... That's weird. Put my phone back in my pocket, finish my business, walk back out. Hey, man, uh, Bart, I'll catch up with you in a second. I got to step out and make a phone call. Mm-hmm. 
step out and make a phone call. And uh, I do that. I call, hey, Craig, what's up, man? He's like, Dusty, how you doing? I was like, man, I'm okay. Uh, just site visit for a venue. You know, man, putting in the work. He's like, well, you told me to call you if I ever had a real job. Ooh. And I went, yeah. And he went, okay, so I just had my assistant technical director over the entire theater walk into my office today and tell me he's leaving at the end of this year. If I don't double his pay. And I was like, okay. What's the pay? Well, and he went, so I thought about it. I'm sitting at home and I can do that, but not for him. What? And I was like, whoa, what What, what are you saying, Craig? And he was like, I think I can come close to what he wants, but not for the type of work he does. And not after that disrespectful comment. Wow. You want a job? And I was like, yes. Yes. That was the night things came together? Yep. I'm Four four days before that show that we were just talking about. I'm flashing back to that, dude. (laughs) You you had that in the pocket during that? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Nobody knew. My mom, my dad, and Mary. Oh, that's all the people that needed to know. And um, so I started putting things into motion. And uh, that was that was the weekend before Thanksgiving uh, of that year of 2019. And uh, so Mary and I got our um, got all of our paperwork together, and. Um, you got married? We, uh, we got all the paperwork together, and uh, I got, you know, a bunch of stuff wrapped up at the house. I put an ad out on Facebook or Instagram or something saying, hey, I've got gear. I've got music that. gear if you want to come by and look at it. Mm-hmm. And so I started taking stuff out of the attic. I started taking stuff out of my storage unit. I just all put it in the living room. It's like, anybody I know who's into music in the town, come by. I don't care if it's a guitar. I don't care if it's a guitar neck. I don't care if it's an amplifier. Just come by. Take it. I don't care. You can have it. Speakers, PAs. Dude, I think I had like 15 full PAs at the time. Just come take it. Just come take it. Harlow Road came by. They took a lot. You came by. People from Starkville. Jamie came by. Yeah. Uh, Bo Jeffries came by. Yeah. Dude, I had a whole room, a whole bedroom with nothing but records in it. Gave them all away. I bet Bo grabbed some of them. Yeah, a lot of them are. Were, well, they moved a lot of yeah. them down here. Yeah. And I think here. they sold a lot of them, actually. I think they were, like, selling records out of here. That, selling my my record collection out of Munson & Brothers for, like, a year. That, <laughs> that did happen, Dusty. <laughs> but I was like, if it's not bolted down, you can have it. Yeah. And uh, Alex was super bummed, but I was like, hey, bro, listen. I'm going to give you a good word with Fran. You've been here the whole time. You want to keep it going, keep it going. I'm out. The black box is coming off the wall. Yeah. And he was like, I see, I see. So we did all that, we did all that. And uh, on the 20th of December that year, again, that was the weekend before Thanksgiving, I got the call, we did the show. Uh, The 20th of December of that year, Mary and I uh, 
without telling anybody, drove down to New Orleans, hung out with my buddy Casey, the guy who used to live with me, um, and his parents. And then on Friday afternoon around 2 o'clock, we went to the courthouse. Got married. And got married. We got married. And then they sent us over to the marriage office, which is a separate office. And I had to get a guy from the barbershop next door to sign my uh, witness on my my buddy Jerome. I don't know the guy. I just walked across the street. He's a buddy now. I'll give you 20 bucks if you come over and sign this. He was like, bet. When? I was like, now. <laughs> yeah. And he walked in. He's like, oh, shit, y'all get married. Quit, cut, like, yeah. Quit yeah. cutting that hair for a minute, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was standing there on his phone. So yeah. I was like, come on over. And he's like, y'all getting married? And I was like, yeah, today. He's like, she pregnant? I was like, no, no, fam. Like, it's all good. And he's like, cool. He signed out. I gave him 20 bucks. It's consensual, though. <laughs> the lady at the marriage office laughed at me. And uh, we went over to my, you know, Casey's aunt's house and hung out with the babies and the kids and, you know, played silly games right before Christmas. You know, New Orleans has a big Christmas culture. You know, so we were all down there with a big Italian family and we ate good that night. We slept at Mima's. Uh, Mama's, excuse me. Uh, you Italian? Chat. No, no, I'm Irish through and through, baby. <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> but, <hair. laughs> but no, Casey's family is uh, Scottish on one side and Italian on the other. But it's a big Italian family, the Santis. And so we hang out with them, ate good food, drove back to the house. And uh, on the 1st of January, I got in my 1995 Astro van and drove back all the way across the country. Now for the third time, and pulled into... St. Jo- well, Ivan's, Utah, to a 2,500-seat, Broadway-only, massive amplifi- uh, amplifier, <laughs> amphitheater, mm-hmm. and uh, sat down at my desk as the assistant technical director of the entire place. Uh, they put me up in a, in a little, like, uh, long-term rental apartment place, uh, from January until the end of March. Mm-hmm. That was part of the deal. So I packed up my motorcycle. I packed up all, all, everything. I my, my one, my Les Paul, my my crate, V50. And uh, no, oh, f- uh, no, the 15, the 15 watt. I gave Alex the V50. <laughs> um, and, I, and I moved to Utah. And uh, boy, did we miss you. Yeah, it was rough, man. Moonlight makes me crazy. Sunlight makes me lazy. Except when I'm firing on a fast moving something. Bound for somewhere. Summertime is my passion, and I like the coolness of midsummer water. And I let my body float down to the bottom to be close to things that I can't hold on to. But it doesn't matter, cause I'm bound to follow the moonlight. Makes me crazy. Freight train. 
pushing and pulling and taking and giving And I like to watch in slow motion And sit on the cars and pretend they're the ocean Oh, moonlight makes me crazy At night I'm a wolf and I know how to ride On the fast-moving silver that floats through the night And if I can't run, well, it might as well lie No moonlight makes me crazy Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.